Hey, you are now listening to the Graceway Podcast. Let's talk. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Let's Talk. My name is Jeff Adams here with Pastor Tim Dunn, and uh, we're excited. I'm excited to talk about this because uh, I, I just marvel having been in your spot for for many many years i just uh, i continue to just uh, be blessed and pleased at uh, watching you grow and develop before our eyes and you've taken on this task of going through the bible in a year mm-hmm. which uh, i don't think i ever had the guts to do but uh, <laughs> but it's been masterful and today we dealt with abraham right and uh, Pastor Tim, I, I was just talking to you a little bit before we started. We, uh, we, we don't start talking when the camera rolls, all right? Nor do we stop when the camera goes <laughs> off. But uh, I was just talking to you from a, a preacher's standpoint, okay? Your job is to ex- exposit the Word of God to this congregation. And today you dealt with the life of Abraham. Right. Not a chapter. You, right. you dealt with uh, a bunch of chapters together, which right. is not an easy thing to do. And uh, you were dropping theological bombshells left and right. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting listening to you and I'm going, wow. And I think I told you, I think the the compliment that I gave you is I loved your pacing. Mm -hmm. A lot of young pastors, when they feel like they have a lot to say, talk like a machine gun. Sure. You slowed down. Uh, Yeah. Now tell tell our <laughs> listeners what's going on inside your head as you prepare for a sermon like this, where you know that you're going to have to cover so much ground, and it's so deep. How do you establish that rhythm, that pace? Because it's, it's different every week. In case yeah. viewers don't notice, right, the right. the way that you approach a sermon is different. Yeah, and I typically just naturally I talk fast, anyways. You know, the uh, interpreters are always like. Pastor Tim, please. Slow down, slow down. Um, yeah, so, you know, the, the punchline really underlying Abraham's life is covenant. And I really felt like I wanted to expose the church to covenants throughout the Bible, which in and of itself is a multi-week series. Just to talk, preaching well, that, That's covenants. an entire semester course it, it, in it, most seminaries it, at it, a master's level. It is, it yeah. is, yeah. And then I'm also teaching at minimum Genesis 12 through 22, so 10 chapters. And yeah, I mean, you definitely feel the pull to just jam as much as you can into it and talk as fast as you can and bury people. in. Mm-hmm. And, and I was really trying to force myself in cadence to get to simplicity and try to, as best as I could, have people walk away with a couple big ideas. Mm. And, uh, and... And I was really, if I'm honest, grappling largely. I wasn't grappling with Genesis 12, where he goes. We kind of get the idea of that. I wasn't grappling with 15 and covenant or, or 17 with circumcision. For me, the big grapple was what was actually going on in Genesis 22. Yeah. And as I studied, and we talked about this last week, you're looking for patterns. You're looking for brushstrokes. I really came to believe that, that Abraham ultimately and finally made peace with the covenant that God had made to him in the act of offering up his son. Because he makes this this statement, God will, some versions say, provide himself, some versions say himself provide. But the point is, God will take care of it. And Abraham's life is much like ours, that he struggled to feel safe and secure in his faith of God's ability to keep his word and promises. And he finally, this master class, in Genesis 22 wasn't that he mustered up up faith. 
It was that he, he finally came to believe yeah. that God would provide. And he didn't do that when he had Sarah lie twice. He didn't do that when he slept with Hagar. He, you know, he, he repeatedly didn't feel good with God's character, exemplified by the whole, uh, you know, would you kill Sodom, the Sodomites and the Gomorites? That's probably the wrong word. For this many, this many. That He's trying to gauge God's character, right? And I think he finally makes peace with it. And so, this is a long answer. And so, I'm ultimately trying to communicate through the life of Abraham uh, his triangulation to covenant and him coming to a place of feeling safe mm -hmm. so that he would surrender. Mm -hmm. So you work it backward. He surrendered his son because he felt safe, because he came to believe in the covenant that God had made to him. And once you get it down to that, um, it's a pretty simple, it's a pretty simple message at that point. But I had committed and talked to the Lord a lot that one, I was going to try to talk slow because I knew that I was saying so many macro things and I didn't want people to miss those and therefore miss the punchline, which yeah. was you're safe, you can surrender, um, which I, I said repeatedly there at the end. And I think that's really the, the story of Abraham's life coming to a place. And frankly, I think it's the journey that many of us are on coming to a place that we feel safe in the character, provision, protection, promises of God. And I think that when, once you do that, we can surrender almost anything, even our firstborn son, so yeah. to speak. But it's yeah. a tough journey. That's, that's so good. I, I know I tell our listeners all the time that we're discussing Pastor Tim's Sunday morning message. And if you haven't listened to it yet, uh, I, I always say that. But today, I mean, uh, <laughs> this is worth listening to a couple of three times and taking complete notes. Sure. Because really what you did is you gave people... I, I think some huge keys to unlock scripture for right. them. And, and again, I think in the Western culture, we become so engaged in the weeds mm -hmm. of word studies and symbols and all of this type of stuff that we, we miss those large brushstrokes. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just felt so good about that. You came to that point about Genesis 22 and what's really going on. And uh, if, if you were conducting a symphony today, that's the point where all the strings come in in unison, <laughs> the brass is blaring, the symphony is going, yeah, yeah. and uh, it's the great climatic moment. Yes. Like he finally gets it. Finally gets it. Finally gets it. So so give some advice. What What do you say to those of us that have not reached Abraham's point of climatic faith there. Mm. And as you pointed out, it took Abraham a good number of years to get there, decades. It did. So what happens when we find ourselves uh, lying the same lie repeatedly like Abraham did with Sarah or trying to bargain with God, trying to figure out what this is all about? What, what, what advice do you give? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, I tried to use as visceral language as I could. And, and it's really my language. So it's not a you know, the whole, like, what advice would you give? I, this is just me talking to myself. Um, and I'm, I'm reading a book. I, I always like to, I'm reading a book called Managing Leadership Anxiety, which sounds awful, but it's a, it's a great book, especially because of the season that we're in. Well, it sounds real to me. It sounds real, but I mean, it <laughs> sounds very, you know. Anybody oh, in well. leadership uh, understands uh, panic attacks from time yeah, to time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the subtitle is Yours and Theirs your anxiety and yeah. those that you're leading. Steve Cuss is the, and he has a podcast. And he, um, he talks in, uh, in that book about the vows that we make. Mm. And um, 
and that many times our, our vows promote our false self. So I'm, just bear with here for a second. So that, that made a ton of sense to me because you know my story. You know um, some of the, the things in my family of origin. And, and, and during, we're in 21 days of prayer, and I'm reading it during 21 days of prayer. And I, I said to the Lord, what vows have I made that promote my false self and don't? And, and immediately I remember, I remember where I was. I remember what had happened. And I remember saying to the Lord, point blank, if I'm going to be safe, it's up to me. Um, some things had happened around some family members and then uh, a mentor. And I kind of, I kind of declared to the Lord that my safety was up to me. And, and for me, um, I think most of us do that in some way, shape or form. We, we don't feel safe in relationships. We don't feel safe with our finances. We don't feel safe because of our past about the future. And we don't really think that God's promises are going to stand when the storm starts coming um, at the visceral level. In our intellectual brain, of course, we do. And when, when we have evidence come into our life, like Abraham did, God's taking a long time, we're being abandoned, we have uncertainty, we feel unsafe, we make decisions and we make vows that promote this false self for ourselves. And the answer to that, this is a very theological answer, the answer to that is what the Bible calls covenant, which is that God keeps his word and it's not contingent on me keeping mine. Well, I was just going to go there because you uh, you said this up front, yeah. that there's a, a great difference between a covenant yeah. and a contract. Right, right. Uh, speak a little bit more into that. Yeah. I think that's so important for people to understand. Yeah, a contract. I, there's lots of vernacular and semantics, but it, for me, a contract is as simple as you and I make an agreement. If you do this, our contract is broken. I can do, I can do whatever. We're done. A covenant is I'm going to keep my word even if you don't. Mm. And... And we tend to operate with God contractually, that when something occurs that, we, that creates fear, worry, anxiety, we have this sense that God hasn't done mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. And the longer that goes, the more we justify whatever our response is, because we say things like, well, look, I asked God and he didn't X. Or look, this has been going on a long time and God didn't Y. Um, that, I mean, you and I have both sat in rooms where people have stated their functional theology as that. Right. And that's contractual faith. And I get it, and I have it in many, in many ways. But what God desires in covenant, what he desired from Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, and what he desires in the new covenant is faith that's covenantal, which is, God, there are times that I don't feel like you're keeping your word. I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to I'm still going to place my faith in you. I'm still going to have hope. I'm still going to have peace. And that's violently hard. I don't please don't you know hear me say that that's easy, but it is really the answer that the 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 covenant that God promises to keep what he and I said this faith is the language of covenant. Mm -hmm. And when I place my faith in God, especially when I feel like he's abandoned me, something holy happens. Um, and you can look at all of the famous stories in the Bible, and when we humanize the stories, when we don't turn these people into superheroes, and when we say the, the faith, what Noah would have had to believe, 
what Moses would have had to believe, what Abraham would have had to believe, what David would have had to believe, what on and on and on and on and on makes no sense in the absence of, I trust God even when I feel like he's lost me. Mm. I trust God even when I feel like he's silent. I trust God even when I feel like he, you're not keeping your word. And what many of our testimony is, is it didn't came how I thought or when I thought, but it came and it was better than I thought it would be. But the journey of Abraham's life and that journey that I just said in that last sentence um, is, is of incredible importance and it finds its undergirding theologically in covenant. Yeah, you walked us through the five major covenants of the Bible yeah. and you know, what you just said, I think, is the ultimate practical, right. personal application of all of that. But another thing that you said that I thought was so important for helping people unpack their Bible mm -hmm. was when you, in just a few moments' time, you walked through those covenants right. and pointed them all to Jesus, which I think is so key. Yeah. People read their Bible. They, they don't understand the law of Moses and right. why that does not apply to us. And right. Well, how could it not? It's in the Bible. Right, right. But you explained all of that. Right, right. Uh, 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 talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I mean, it, it, you know, with your permission, we can get a, a smidge nerdy here. So obviously, you know that what I'm articulating is what's called covenant theology. And there's all kinds of different frames. You referenced them, you know, uh, there's renewal theology, there's dispensational theology, there's reform theology, there's covenant theology. And all of them have their strengths. Yes. Um, and all of them have their weaknesses. And all of them have their weaknesses. <laughs> yeah. And I, for me, one of the weaknesses of dispensational theology is that I don't think it I, in my opinion, it as articulately delivers us to Jesus as covenant theology does. Now, don't freak out. Not, I'm not, I, I said last week, I'm not anything. Yeah, you and I don't like labels. Not, not in that Neither regard. Neither of us, no, yeah, in that regard. Yeah. They're too neat. They're too neat. They're too succinct. And they don't answer the questions that, we, that our hearts really need. However, um, for me, making sense of the Bible, I have found to be and I said this last week, um, when, I, when I found that the, my understanding of the Bible wasn't delivering my heart to be warned by the gospel or finding Jesus is absolutely necessary, I had an alarm go off. And, and I did. I went, I, I went and I have studied through, in school and otherwise, all of the frames, covenant reformed, you know, um, all, all of them. And, and I do find that covenant theology answers some of those questions of how did we get to Jesus? Um, why, why do things like Sabbath and circumcision and those kind of things matter? And so I appreciate it in that regard, um, in, in ways that, you know, dispensational and reformed and, um, other frames, I appreciate things about them, but yeah, I was, I'm, I'm trying to expose our church to different ways of thinking, but I am trying to help them say and see whatever your frame is, this is what the Holy Spirit says he's trying to accomplish. If your frame doesn't get you to Jesus, it might be a fine frame for other things, but it's not the frame that the Holy Spirit ultimately wants you to. And I think that you and I would say there is not a frame singular mm -hmm. that, that appropriately delivers you to Jesus on the regular. Mm -hmm. So don't, don't, don't get uh, religious about your frames. Just, that's, a, that's a good way to put it. I yeah, like that. Yeah. Just know what the Holy Spirit's trying to do. And that's why, as you've said, you know, the last few weeks, my hermeneutical rules yeah. do not find their birth in any of these majority frames 
Yeah, yeah. And, and but nor do they contradict with the good aspects yeah. of them. Yeah. Uh, because they're very universal. They're very universal. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. you read the Bible not to make God happy, but because He is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that applies whatever you call it's yourself. All, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but you know, as as, as you're saying that, uh, it was interesting to me. It, uh, what I loved about your approach is when you came to the New Covenant, which yeah. is the last one. The last one. You showed how Jesus is that yeah. climatic point yeah. that ties them all together. That's right. That's right. Once you get that then the, the labels lose their significance. They sure do, yeah. In fact, hearing you talk about uh, dispensational theology versus covenant and whatnot, yeah. uh, reminded me as, as a new believer, as a yeah. college student, okay. you know, thought I was pretty intellectual and sophisticated sure. at the time, not, not uh, you know, nearly as, as less so <laughs> as I've realized today. Sure. But one of the first Christian books that I got okay. from the recommendation of a friend of mine yeah. uh, was Dwight Pentecost, Things to Come. There you go. <laughs> which is one of those books that is good to hold your door open during a hurricane. It's about that thick. But you remember that that, that book takes you through yeah. all of this covenant. Yeah. But yet, and of course, I was a young believer, and yeah. there's so much that I did not understand. This is not the fault of the book. Sure. But I can remember wading through that and thinking, so what's the point of all this? Where is this headed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what was brilliant about what I heard today is you took the complexity of those those covenants yeah. and you reduced them to a few moments explanation yeah. that tied it all together, yeah. that gave people the ability to say, ah, I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think sometimes the simple and profound is better than the detailed and complex. I yeah, agree. It keeps you out of the weeds. And yeah, you know, toward that book I've I've also read for me and you know Which is a dispensationalist book. I'll throw that out for somebody that doesn't realize that. For me, um I this would be a simple way to address dispensational theology defines the New Testament by the book of Revelation. Covenant theology defines revelation by the rest of the New Testament. <laughs> that's 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 a great statement. Yeah. yeah. And and so for me, you got to know dispensational theology is the youngest of all of them. Uh, 1800s and then, yep. you know, came into vogue in the 1900s. Uh, but it, for me, it is largely an eschatological frame. Mm -hmm. uh, this is, this is how we think it ends. And so let's, let's reverse engineer that. Right. Covenant theology for me. And again, uh, I'm just putting them up on the board. I'm not owning one. I don't. I don't have the uniform on any of them. I want to keep saying that. And and you know me. I sincerely do not. Yeah. You, you, you really believe that. I really yeah. believe that. And I read them all. And yeah. I, I, you know, I say yes and amen to some. And I, I, I have thrown books in all, of all the tribes, uh, but uh, covenant theology is is probably the oldest, mm -hmm. and it. I think that it better delivers Jesus to us, and through covenants for me, eschatological frames, revelation makes more sense through Jesus than trying to look at end times and find Jesus in them. We had a beautiful funeral here yesterday afternoon yeah, for lovely. a lady that for over 20 years was our next door neighbor. Yeah. And she and her husband were the first African-American members of this church. Yeah. And uh, they, they came at, at a time when Dr. King was still saying yeah. that 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is the most segregated time in yeah, America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they chose to come here, Amazing. not to make a statement, right. knowing that they would pay a price yeah. and, uh, and, and have been here for decades. Yeah. But when I think of that, Pastor Tim, yeah, we have well. become one of the most diversified churches in America. Yeah. And we have learned from each other. Yes. It's not like we're trying to go 
African-American or Hispanic or white Anglo. We're, oh. we're learning from each other. That's what I'm hearing you say about theology. Is that yes. not correct? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It just seems like that theological position favors Graceway. <laughs> well, I, I would say that that's the only theological position that a church that that allows a church like ours. Yeah. And I think that's important because I, I think that a lot of times, um, you know, pastors will call and, and talk about diversity and they have theological frames, they have historical preferences, they have ideas around governance and and they they do not connect that the rigidity and the lines that they draw preclude some of the diversity yes. or they feel like if I did that, I would be watering down in order to get. And I just don't think that that's true. I right. think that I think that. Um, I think that we are all, you know, there's an old rabbinic saying that studying the Bible is like is like holding up a jewel and looking at the different angles. Yes. And it, and, and I believe that in a in a evangel, you know, evangelically conservative. This is not a liberal position. This is just I, I want to learn everything that I can from every position that I can. Um, I read everybody. I appreciate almost everybody, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, and it has enriched not only my life, but my perspective, my relationships. And I think my theology, you know, when you boil me down, I am still a very conservative theological, whatever person, pastor, that kind of thing. But, you know, more than about 10 feet off the ground, mm. I, I, I love talking to anybody about anything. Mm. And, you know, for those of you who are dispensational, don't don't take my it's criticism. Don't take my criticism to mean I think the entire frame is broken. I don't. Right. And don't take my affirmation of certain elements of covenant theology to mean more than I'm saying. Take what I'm saying to read broadly and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you into truth, which he promised to do. Yeah, absolutely. So when you look back on what you shared this morning and the obvious mountain of thought and reading yeah. uh, that you did in, in preparation, if, if, if you could go back and, and think, I, I had so much to put in that time frame, what did you leave on the cutting room floor that you would like to add for the people who are listening to this podcast? Well, that's a good question. I mean, obviously, obviously there's a lot that we could have talked about, you know, <laughs> it's, I, it's funny to me whenever you think about the different covenants and, you know, Noah gets a rainbow, David gets a lineage, uh, Moses gets Sabbath and Abraham gets circumcision. Yeah. Right. Like, right. <laughs> he drew the short straw. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, like they're all sitting in heaven, like for real, you got a rainbow. <laughs> Uh, and there are reasons for for all of those right. that we could have dove into, yeah. and that maybe given more time, I would have dove into. Obviously, there's a lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. And oh, so much and, to unpack. Yeah, so much to unpack. But I think, and I try to do this. I think when you understand the arc of Scripture, that chiasmic. That's where I was going with yeah, this. I was yeah. going to ask you about you threw out that uh, heavy duty word, <laughs> yeah, yeah. not that many letters, but right, right. Uh, it, it, to me, that is one of the least publicized keys to understanding a Bible. Completely, yeah. And speak to that. Well, I mean, as Westerners, we think in such a linear fashion. We, we think, and we do this in our movies, right? Like, 
our our movies our movies do this symphonies do this yeah. right uh, you know good songs do this they 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 ascend well the bible isn't a western book it's a circular book and the way that it communicates is different than the way that we tend yeah. we tend to so we think that the point is genesis 22 right we think that the climax is he goes up on the mountain and you know trust god and blah, blah blah and we miss it completely because there's no way he does that without genesis 15 mm. without without god's promise that there's no way he's as certain and secure and safe to surrender that much if he hadn't come to believe what god promised him multiple times he did it in genesis 15 he did it in renaming him he did it on the circumcision thing and uh and so I, I probably would have dove a little bit more into that. I don't, I, I, I worked very hard in cadence and content. So I don't, I, I'm not regretting anything. But, no, yeah. no. And I don't ask that from the sense sure. that I think you left something out. Sure, I sure. just know that you did yeah, intentionally. Yeah. I did, yeah. And you had to select what you felt was most important. Yeah. And uh, that whole chiasm type uh, parallelism, yeah, all these yeah. things that we could say about uh, Hebrew literature. Right that is so much a part of, of their culture and yes. biblical culture. Yes. And it is truly, I think, impossible for Western people to totally get their hands around what the Bible is saying yeah. until they have a little education and understanding what you just said. Agreed. You can see it in the Psalms. You can see it in the Gospels. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes I talk about literary bookends yeah. to describe that. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. the author starts making the statement. Yeah. Then goes up the mountain, comes back down, ends with the statement. Yeah, yeah. Well, and here's, I, I would I would make the argument that the Bible itself, oh absolutely, old new Jesus is in the middle, and you got to define both. Yeah. By the middle. Yeah. Um, which is another reason why the frame of let's chop it up into all these dispensations, I think, is a Western frame. Yes. Um, because it it slices when it should it should you know, uh, it it should be a chiasm. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's everywhere, and that's the other reason. You know, I, I read a lot of Judaic, rabbinic, all of that kind of thing, because I know I'm an American. Yeah. Because I know that I'm missing things, and I read stuff that I'm like that is profoundly extra biblical. Yeah. Um, but it's very similar to what we talked about with Noah. There, th my. I get color and I get nuance that even if I don't fundamentally land at the place, it does shape the tone and temperament of some of my theology, I, I hope, in a helpful way. Uh, yeah, so that, that, that word um, and that idea, yeah, parallelism, um, if you know that it exists, it, you'll start seeing it lots of places. It, it helped me personally to understand the book of Romans. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, when Paul opens Romans, <coughs> he says, you know, I've, I've wanted to come to you. Yeah. I've, I've wanted to do that so that I could use you to go to yeah. the regions beyond. Right, right. And then he comes back and says essentially the same thing at the end of the book. Yeah. Which tells you that Romans is not primarily a systematic theology. That's right. It's a book on mission. That's right. That's right. And yeah. Not that it doesn't have a lot of great theology. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah. It, it truly, it shows you those brush strokes of yeah. God that you talk about so much absolutely. that I, I love that illustration, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's everywhere. And once you, once you can lay that idea on t on top look at look through that lens lots of things 
will get clear. Yeah. yeah. And, and you see it all the way through the Bible. All it's just hard to emphasize that enough. You see it in so many of the Psalms yes. that are just, they're poetic and they're wrapped around that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, uh, yeah. We really, um, and I'm, you and I would both say this, very grateful for our country. I'm very grateful for where God sovereignly chose for us to be born and the freedoms and, and those that fought to, to provide and preserve them. But it's very important for us to acknowledge that our Western mind handicaps us um, theologically and biblically. It just does. Yeah. It's not a Western book. It's not written that way, not written by those people. And we have to have the humility to stop believing. You know, I said, I keep saying, we be, you can believe more than the Bible says, less than the Bible says, or what the Bible says. And in the West, we, we presume Western values and we read so much more than the Bible is saying and believe so much less than the mm. Bible says. And some of these tools, just understanding Hebrew literature, kind of help you to just at least give yourself a fighting chance of this is what it's saying, mm -hmm. this is what it's emphasizing, this is what is important, and, and hopefully keeps you off some of the rails that we sometimes bring. Well, we are grateful for our country, our culture, yeah. and there's some wonderfully positive things about Absolutely. that. But I think uh, we, we have to realize, I, I think what you just said is so important, <coughs> that from a spiritual, biblical standpoint, yeah. we in what we call the West yeah. are the minority. Yeah, yeah. We are the minority yeah. when it comes to understanding those aspects of culture. And personally, I'm looking forward to the next few years to see what's going to happen now that the majority yeah. of Christians in this world now live in the global South. Yeah, yeah. And their culture is much more akin yeah. to biblical culture. Right. Yeah, we need to. What remember, can we learn from them? We are the grafted. Yeah, ex exactly. <laughs> we were grafted in. Yeah. We weren't the. Yeah, back you know, to Romans Galatia. again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, and that's great, but but we we don't theologically we don't like that. We want to be we want to be the stump. We want to be the yeah. And we're not we're not. And it was all part of God's plan in my, in my belief. And but yeah, we're the grafted and culture that has implications culturally. Totally. Yeah. Well, Pastor Tim, this this is just. Uh, Fabulous. I, yeah. th this is fun yeah. for, for you for and you me. And me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope that those who are watching us today will find that we could literally go out all afternoon, but we we're going to have to call this to a conclusion at this point. But thank you so much for uh, joining us. And from what we understand, we, we get a lot of views on our podcast, and we're <laughs> grateful for that. Uh, I look at look back over my career, and we didn't have podcasts when I was a pastor. <laughs> and I, I, I've always wanted a way, how can we tell people what I've wanted to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and say a little bit more. Right, right. And that's really the spirit of this. So join us next week. We'll be back on Let's Talk. Thanks for tuning into the Graceway Experience. Hope we can talk again sometime. <laughs>